Kingdom Moments, we are going to be doing a series over the next several weeks called Kingdom Moments, and we're going to talk more about that, and we're going to pray about God uh, making and creating Kingdom Moments in the life of our church and our lives individually. But it reminds me of a story about a lady who, when she got to church, uh, she realized her son wasn't there. And so she got on the phone, she called him, she said, son, where are you? So I'm at home. Are you coming to church? No. Son, you, you need to come to church. And um, he said, Mom, I don't want to come to church. There's too many people there. And um, I'm not comfortable there. I just don't feel like I fit in. And, and I don't think people like me. Hon, that's ridiculous. No, Mom, I'm telling you, I don't think anybody likes me there. Well, honey, I think you've got to come. I, I, you're going to have to be here. She goes, well, the boy goes, well, why? Why do I have to be there? Well, son, first of all, I feel like this is God where, where God wants you to be. I know it's where God wants you to be. Uh, number two, that's not true. There are a lot of people that like you in that church. And number three, son, you're the pastor. You need to get down here right now. <laughs> so maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you've had those kind of moments in church before. But I want to talk to you about kingdom moments today and kingdom moments in the past, today, and in the future. And as we talk about that, I think it's essential that we understand what, what do you mean when you talk about the kingdom? What does that mean, the kingdom? The kingdom of God sometimes it's referred to or the kingdom of Christ or just the kingdom. Uh, I want to give you a very simple understanding, a very simple definition of the kingdom. And these are the only words I'm really going to put up on the board uh, today and uh, so I just, I just think this is a very elementary way to understand it. Um, you can go to a theological uh, Bible dictionary or commentary and, and get a much more profound definition, a much more thorough definition. But just for our purposes, I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about when you read it, because this is the, the central theme of the gospel is the kingdom. So what does he mean when he talks about the when, when the Bible talks about the kingdom, let me just give you a very simple definition. First of all, a kingdom always has a king. There is an absolute ruler and authority. There's one who is ultimately in charge, okay? So there's a king. Secondly, in kingdom, uh, there's a people. There has to be a group of people. And so uh, we see this in scripture. In scripture, God called out uh, Abraham and he started a nation uh, and he started his people right there, his people group. Uh, today, um, the people uh, are, are the church. So we continue, then there is a rule, there's a rule. There, there goes my notes. I hope I know those. Uh, there's a rule. What do you mean by that? Well, the rule is the governing over the people. But the way that our king, King Jesus, the way that he rules is through redemption, through rescue. He redeems us because we are dead in our sins and trespasses. But God and in his infinite love for us, before we were born, he loved us. He knew us. And so as we think about that, we recognize that as believers in Christ Jesus, we've been redeemed. That's his rule. And then a king always has a will. And in the Old Testament, the will of God uh, was found in the law. And they were to be a people, a covenant people who lived differently than the rest of the world so that people would take notice that here are my people and they live differently. 
They live differently in their diet and their behaviors and their actions and their rituals to see them as a designated people whom God had his hand upon so that they might be a light to the Gentile nations. So there's a will. But in the New Testament, we see the gospel. It's the will of God. We see the kingdom ethic uh, worked out in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. We see the great commission found at the end of chapter 28 of Matthew's gospel. As Jesus said, I want you to go forth and make disciples. We see Jesus talking about the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so that's where we get our mission statement from. Loving God with all we are while making more and better followers of Christ. So there's a will in the kingdom. There's a will of the king. And then lastly, we see a space. Now, in the Old Testament, that space was the promised land. It was Israel. Uh, But today, it's the church. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. And when we talk about church, it's the gathering of people. So that may happen sometimes. uh, There might be a house church. Uh, I was in Kenya for a while where uh, we met uh, under a tree uh, for our services and so it, it could be any a number of places, but it's a space where the people of God gather. It's a space. And we see in the Old Testament, they had a temple, a tabernacle and then a temple. And we come together as church to get to, to today in, in our gathering to worship here. And there's something special about it. There's something that we can experience here. There's a way and a manner in which you can experience God here that you can't do on TV or you can't do simply listening in a podcast. It's because I believe that the Spirit God comes in a very intimate way when his people are gathered for the purpose of of worship. So it's, it's important. So that's part of the kingdom reign. So we have a king, we have a people, uh, he has a, a rule, he has a will, and he has a space, the body of Christ, the church today. So we see that as we go through uh, the Bible. We see that in the scripture, and we see how this kingdom operates, and we see now there are kingdom moments. Now, what are kingdom moments? Those are times where God very specifically came down upon his people uh, to start a new era, to, uh, to in- for them to encounter where they were shaken and transformed. And so we see that certainly when he did creation, when he created mankind, when he, and when he uh, brought Abraham into the fold and he created a nation. We see it specifically in the New Testament. When Jesus is born, God comes to earth. That's a kingdom moment. When Jesus dies upon the cross, that's a kingdom moment. When Jesus is resurrected, therefore uh, conquering sin and death, that's a kingdom moment. Then we see in Acts chapter 2 when the, at Pentecost when the power of the Holy Spirit Spirit fell upon the people. That was a kingdom moment, and uh, thousands were saved and came to Christ. And that's where we're going to be picking up. And at the end of chapter two, and verses forty-two through forty-seven in Acts chapter two, it, it talks about how these new believers had come to Christ, and how the they were coming together in prayer and under the apostles' teaching. They were in fellowship and they were breaking bread. They were participating in communion together. And then the end of that chapter in chapter two, and it says, and daily the Lord added to their numbers. If there's anything we see about the New Testament churches, it was not static. It was on the move. It was making an impact. It was growing and people were coming to know him and, and they were growing and they were starting to spread out in different locations as the gospel took impact. And so as we think about that, I think it's important for us to understand there are kingdom moments in the history of our church. You know, as 12 of us started in a living room, and that was a kingdom moment. And when we moved to Razor Elementary uh, back in 2002, I believe it was, 
And as a matter of fact, it was just 17 years ago. And we were there for a year, but then we were told by the school system, the principal, you, you can only stay here for a year, so you're going to have to leave and go to another school district because there weren't any other buildings at the time that would hold us. So we were about 100 people, so we started to desperately pray, God, what do you want us to do? We're here in this community, but we're going to have to leave. And so God opened up a door at Briar Hill Middle School, so we, we went there and we were desperately praying for what would be permanent because we were told you only have two years here unless you have property and you can show us a plan for you to build, then we could increase that to four years. So we desperately prayed and we looked and looked and two years were coming up and we were praying and we go, where are we going to go next? Grapevine, Irving, where are we going? Oklahoma, I mean, what's, what's going to happen here next? And we began to pray and uh, I remember we were looking all over, particularly west of here because we didn't have a lot of money and northwest of here. But I was driving down this road one day and saw a sign that said J&J Ranch for sale. And I just happened to call at the one time this man from Missouri had driven down and was on that property for that one hour that day. You think that's a coincidence? I think not. I think that's a kingdom moment. Uh, And so I had a chance to go out and find him, talk to him. And because of a connection we had from 20 years ago from a Louisiana evangelist that I'd never listened to or thought about again, God kind of connected us. And we walked out here and we got somewhere in this vicinity. He said, you know, people have called every day asking about this property. And I told them I wasn't separating it. I would only sell the whole 360, but God just told me to sell you whatever you want. What do you want? So he gave us a great price on that. And because I didn't know any better, I said, would you be willing to give us six or seven more acres as a tax write-off? And he ended up doing that. So we got it at at a fraction of today's value. God gave that to us. It was a kingdom moment that he gave that to us. And we've had multiple times where God has created a special moment where he, we encounter him and he moves in our hearts. And I believe, I really believe uh, the next kingdom moment will be in Parker Square. And I know a lot of people are struggling going, I, I know we approved that, but I don't get it. Uh, why are we doing that? How does that work? Um, l- let me say this. Let me show you an organizational model uh, that's sometimes used in businesses. And we're going to put it up here on the screen for you. Um, and if you look at this first one, you'll see that um, arrows are going everywhere. This is kind of chaos right here is what's going on. And in this chaos, uh, there's really no specific direction. Uh, if an organization is like this, it's in trouble. Uh, this is often what happens when governments are toppled and people are all trying to get their, their way, their direction. So that's one model of what can happen. Here's another one. Uh, here's one where the, there's a direction or there's a mission, but people have different thoughts and different ideas. So the mission, like for our church, would be uh, loving God with all that we are while making more and better followers of Christ, just like the New Testament church that we're looking at today. Um, and so that's the mission, but you might have people with different tastes, different backgrounds. You have people with different ideas, philosophies, and thinking, that's not the way I do it. I don't know. Why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? And so a lot of people are thinking different things, but we have one mission. And then there's a third one, uh, a model, and this is the uniformity model. So there's one mission, but everybody's going the direction. Everybody thinks alike. Um, everybody's kind of got the same gifting. Everybody's looking alike. <laughs> We're not really asking questions. We're just doing we're just going in that, in that method, in that line, and that's actually what a cult is. That's what a cult does right there, okay? Uh, and I know there's probably a couple churches in, in the world today that still do it this way, um, but I don't think that's a biblical model. So let's look at all three of them. So 
if it's those two, I believe that the second one is the biblical model. You should have different ideas. You should have creative ideas and creative thoughts, and you should have questions. But at the end of the day, we're all going the same direction. We're all about loving God and making more and better followers of Christ because that's what the scriptures taught us. And we want to be biblically based. And so we all got different giftings, different backgrounds uh, for this church, different denominations. Matter of fact, I, I hadn't shared this in a long time and we haven't done a survey in a long time, but do you realize that the biggest demographic of our congregation, you know what it is? It's Catholicism. Okay, people who are raised Catholic. Some of you are raising your hand, nodding. Somebody just did that. I, I, yes. Uh, so that's almost a third of our church. We have so many backgrounds, but what unites us is the gospel of Jesus Christ and loving others with all we are while making more and better followers of Christ. Our backgrounds couldn't be more different. That's exactly what was transpiring in the New Testament church. People were coming from different countries, from different faiths, from different backgrounds. They hear the gospel, the spirit falls upon them, and then they hear the gospel proclaimed in their native language, and they're hearing it, and they're grasping it. And so now as they're hearing that, and their life is being transformed, and Jerusalem at this time, because of Passover, has become four times its normal size because of all the visitors, all all the pilgrims are in, and some of them are staying because they, they're hearing this gospel message that is the hope of which they've been wanting and they're desiring, and they want to know more. Some are coming to Christ. Some have come to Christ, and they're wanting to grow and understand this faith, so they're there, and uh, we see revival breaking out, so they're living outside the city. They're living in tents, and most of them have gone through all their resources, and so we pick up there and we see what's happening during this time. And so as we, we do that, I want you to have that background, that understanding, as we look at Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 31 through 35. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 31 through 35. Uh, and the Bible says, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, the Bible says right here, um, it tells us what is happening in the church, what the church is to be and how it happens, not what you're to do. Now, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 tells us what the church should be doing. But this right here is telling us exactly what the church is. It defines for us what the church is, and it may not be exactly what you think. So look here with me again, and let's read this slowly. And when they had prayed, you might think, oh, it's they prayed. By the way, that's keenly important. That's a huge importance prayer. And I want to invite you, we have multiple prayer times uh, that we're going to be doing over these next five weeks, and I want to invite you to come. A couple on Sunday nights, uh, three on Wednesday nights, and then every morning on th Thursday morning, uh, you're welcome to come if you're available at those times. But whatever, whichever ones you can come and come and us corporately pray together uh, for kingdom moments, I want to invite you to come and do that with us. That's exactly what the disciples and the followers of Jesus were doing. They were praying. And what happened? The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. It was shaken. We see this theme happening all throughout the Old Testament. We see it with Moses when the mountain shook and the people felt it. We see it at the resurrection. We see it even when Jesus was on the cross. We see a lot of these, uh, these um, kingdom moments where people are shaken. Literally, the earth was shaken. I believe that's what happens here, that the people are shaking. As they begin to pray, the Holy Spirit comes down and shakes them. 
Sometimes God shakes us through painful experiences, sometimes through uh, divine revelations, sometimes uh, through worship, sometimes through prayer. But the people are shaken and they're together and they're shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God boldly. So because of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, they're speaking the word, they're giving testimony and we'll see how that continues uh, to, to propel itself. But I think this is also interesting in that it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, I believe, and I have a very diverse background, but I, I believe this. I believe that when we trust Jesus Christ, we really trust him, then the power of the Holy Spirit comes to reside and takes up residency to live within us. Uh, the problem often becomes is that we ignore him. We don't look for him. We don't seek him. So how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, that ter- that's a terminology that's loaded and has, you know, there are a lot of different thoughts on that. But let me just give you a very simple way in my, uh, my understanding of what it means, not how, but what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? I'll give you three simple things to consider. Number one, I would say this, do you recognize it? When you come in, do you recognize, do you see when the Spirit moves, either it's through a time of communion, through a time of baptism, sharing of the gospel, a testimony, maybe it's while you're singing, maybe it's just the presence of God when you come in and you sense and you recognize the Spirit of God. That, that has a picture of it. If you never sense the Spirit of God, that is not a good sign. That's not a good sign at all. That, that means there's either uh, the Spirit of God not within you or there's something that you need to deal with that is uh, covering the Spirit, that is blanking out, so to speak, the Spirit of God in your life. And it could be just unconfessed, willing, uh, continual sin. That's something that you're refusing to deal with. It could be multiple reasons. But if I'm filled with the Spirit, I recognize. Number two, I experience it. There's sometimes when I'm in prayer, there's sometimes when I'm worshiping, there's sometimes that maybe I'm just sitting before the throne of God that I experience. Is it always a feeling? No. Sometimes it's a revelation. Sometimes God speaks. Sometimes God moves. Sometimes God gives me comfort. It's an experience of the Holy Spirit. And again, it's not always something totally felt. It's not always emotional. Sometimes it's intellectual. God told us to love it. Love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. So sometimes it's in my head, sometimes it's in my heart, sometimes it's in what I do. But thirdly, here's the thing, that you love the Spirit. You love being in the presence of the Spirit of God. You seek the Spirit of God. And if you're filled with the Spirit, those are three things that will happen. Not every moment, but you will have kingdom moments, times of the Spirit that we seek, that we experience, that we recognize that we love. And that's one of the reasons we, again, we come together as a church that we, we don't just say, I'll listen to a podcast. That's listening to podcasts, but that's just catching a glimpse of the spirit of God. If you want to experience it, it's going to be with his people. Sometimes it might be in a small group, it might be in a Bible study, it might be in a prayer time, but it's the gathering of his people. He comes in a special way and connects with his people for kingdom moments. So we see that they've They're full of the Holy Spirit, so they're speaking boldly the word of God. And now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. What does that mean? goes back to, remember that graph we used? That they had a mission, that they were loving God. Literally, that's what they're doing. They're loving God. They're growing in faith and discipleship and devotion, and they're making more, and they're becoming better followers of Christ. That's exactly, that was their one mindset. The gospel was united, uniting these people from every tongue and every nation. 
they're uniting them together. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, that's a puzzling passage that most time we like to just skip right over. Or some people will go, so the Bible advocates communism where you just have to give everything up or socialism? Is that what the Bible's saying? No, it's not what the Bible's saying at all. First of all, nobody was made to give anything. They voluntarily, because they were filled with the Spirit, they saw the need, and they voluntarily recognized this. I am a steward. Everything that God has given me is a gift from him, and so I willingly give to what the need may be. And, you know, here's the amazing thing about it. If you go back and you read extra biblical history, uh, the Romans were completely flabbergasted and in complete puzzlement of over what was going on in the Christian movement and the Christian faith. It just didn't make any sense to them. There were a lot of things that were different, but two big ones, if you go back and you read um, uh, like Josephus and Pliny the Younger, you go back and read some of, the, some of those quotes uh, from from history, and when they talk about the Christians, one of the things they'll say, they would remark about, first of all, and it goes back that we're going to see in just in a moment the power of God and then the great grace of God, but they would say, you know what? These Christians, number one, they, um, they, they're, they're, they're uh, sexually pure. They believe in this relationship between a man and a woman and they're in marriage and that that's, that's, um, that's a sacred and they don't participate in any kind of sexual activity out of that. And in that culture, that was awkward because not only was that done as just a part of the practice, it was really almost celebrated, even sometimes in forms of worship. So that was so odd to them. But the second one that really blew their mind was how generous these people are when they didn't even have a lot of money. And they would look at that and they just couldn't process that. And ultimately, we know that's what made the church explode. That was what was seen by the outside world. So we continue, and this is what's said here in verse 33. And great power, the great power of the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection. This is the gospel of the Lord. And great grace was upon them. Great power. The power to, to share the gospel, to speak forth what they believe, to speak, give testimony of what's happened in their life, the power to say, I will live in purity. I will live in honor of God and his kingdom ethic. They began to do that and great grace was upon them all. Great grace. What is he talking about there? The grace of generosity of how they were generous. It was flabbergasting. It really took people back. So we see the power because of the filling of the Spirit. We see the power of God, and then we see the grace of God. That's what we want to be about. We want to operate. We want to live in the power and the grace, grace and truth, spirit and truth. Sometimes you'll find people who are real big on truth, real big on holiness, but yet they won't give. And that's always that's, that's problematic. Or you have people that will give but say, but I can do whatever I want. That's missing the spirit. That's discounting the grace and living in just partial faith. God wants us to know the fullness of the spirit. And he says it manifests itself through the power of the spirit of God and through grace. That's how we know if we're living according to the spirit 
of God. Now, I want to show you a kingdom moment that happened in our church and uh, a family, a couple in our church uh, through one of the ministries, our marriage ministry here. And I want you to watch this for just a moment as we see how the power and the grace of truth impacted their life. When we landed here in Flower Mound in August of 2016, our marriage was in trouble. We were in crisis. It was code red. We recognized that we needed some support and we needed some help. We had to find a church home, and it was at that time that Wanda received a postcard in the mail from Rock Point. Receiving that postcard in the mail, I looked at it and I felt it, and it was something very special about how thick it was. And I told Dee, I said, any church that would put this kind of money into a postcard must have a huge emphasis on marriage. We connected with Brian and Edie Sanders, who were uh, leading the marriage ministry. It was at that point in time we recognized that we needed the marriage ministry to help restore and renew our marriage after we had gone through some troubling times. Um, so we actually became part of the pilot session of the marriage ministry. Marriage ministry has always been near and dear to my heart. Little did I know that it would be through my brokenness that marriage ministry for me would really become alive because it was through serving others and seeing that if others could make it through, then so could I and so could we. You know, kingdom moments can really be everyday moments like the postcard, it was really the Holy Spirit to prompt my spirit to say, check it out. Because of course I had been praying, Lord, lead us to a great church, lead us to a great church. He already knows what you are in need of. And that was just the recognition, just recognizing that it must be something special about this church was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't happenstance. It was not She didn't receive that postcard by happenstance. All these things, in my opinion, were divine, uh, God's divine intervention. Um, he already knew what was going to take place. He knew that the transformation was going to happen. And we had to take the journey. We had to go through the steps. And it was a journey. That postcard was that first kingdom moment that kicked off a three-year journey that um, helped to restore, helped to um, create a new marriage. So I'm thankful for that. That's a kingdom moment, how God transformed Wanda and DeAnthony's life, their family, and their marriage. And so thankful for our marriage ministry. So thankful for our special needs ministry. So thankful for our adult and for our children and our student ministry. I am so thankful that, and as we, earlier I talked about the story of the kingdom moments here. I think about the kingdom moments going forward. And I think about how we even got here. Um, a, a little over a year ago, we had 31 people come together for a strategic planning committee just to say, what do we do about our children and student situation? Because we're running out of space with children and students. And uh, so what do we do about that? And we have this special needs ministry that is growing. And uh, so we said, okay, we'll move the adults off campus for Bible study on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. So we've done that and we've given the children, but that only lasts so long. And so we keep asking that question. And I said, so let's see if we can rent something. Let's see if we can find another facility out there. So we began to do that. And then another group said we can look at building, um, but we were not, it was going to be very, very expensive to build, and we weren't going to be able to build a lot. The city's already not letting us do more parking. You see how many people park on the grass already. 
And so we just began to pray and pray. And finally, um, uh, one of our members, as a matter of fact, he's here today, uh, works in the school system. And uh, he said, uh, one of our charter schools, uh, we're going to be moving right over here next to y'all. And uh, he said, it's not really for sale, and we eventually are going to use it, but uh, I guess we could do something different. So if you want to buy it, there's a little window right here that you can buy it. And so it wasn't up for sale, wasn't planning on selling it, um, but there was a window. And so we said, well, let's look into it. And so we began to look into it. Dustin and Alan looked real hard, and uh, we began to look at We'd looked at all these other opportunities where people wouldn't rent to us. The, we couldn't get the chapel rented to us from the city. We couldn't get the grocery store. We couldn't get the movie theater. We couldn't get any of these places to rent to us. And so we said, all right. Let's, look, let's take a hard look at this. And so when we did, uh, we recognized, look, this will take care of all our needs for special needs. Uh, we can expand our adult ministries. Uh, we can expand our children, our student. Uh, that's an area that's three times more populated. Uh, there are uh, literally triple the number of people unchurched in that area. And if we're serious about this, we can either just say, okay, we're, we're good with children and students. We'll, we'll add adults, but we'll just say this is kind of where we are. Or we can say, you know what, we'll take a step of faith. I believe this is a kingdom moment. So we prayed, we looked at it, came back, brought it to church. Church voted to do that. And so that's where we are. But here's the thing that's amazing. If we'd come six months later or six, six months later or six months ahead of that, 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 wouldn't, that facility would not have been available. Remember how there was the one day? Well, there was a period of time that God opened this door for us. If we were doing it now, it would not be available. But God gave us a moment to step in and meet him for his kingdom's sake. I really believe that. And so as we think about that, I want to close with this. Now, this is a bottle right here, of course, you see. And if I shake this, you see water comes out. I'm getting it all over me. And you might say, well, the reason that's coming out it's because you're shaking it, and that's partially true. But can I tell you this? The reason it's coming out is because it's in there. If this was empty and I was shaking, I could shake it all day long and nothing would come out. But when I shake it, water comes out because water's in it. When God shakes his people, the spirit comes out. Sometimes that's through difficult circumstances. Sometimes that's through joyous circumstances. Sometimes that's through challenges. Sometimes that's through opportunity. I am praying that God will shake Rock Point Church for his glory. I am praying that you will make it a point of prayer, that you will commit for the next 40 days to pray for our church and to pray for the future of the church and to pray for kingdom moments that we might impact the community and the world that God has given us. I am asking you to pray, to commit to pray. And again, we've got multiple prayer times where we'll come together and pray. I invite you to come. Number two, I'm asking you to begin now to pray about serving. Where will you serve? Uh, many of you, I, I put out the clarion call last week for special needs because we just keep growing in that area. Uh, matter of fact, a good friend of mine is a pastor at one of the large churches here in Flower Mound. And he called me a few months ago and he said, Ron, I just want you to know what I'm doing. I want to make sure it's okay with you. He said, people are coming to our church with special needs and we just really don't have any more room for them. And so I'm telling them to go to your church. And um, he said, are you okay with that? I go, yep, send them on. God's put that on our heart. That's why we hired a special needs ministry and we are going to find more space for them. And uh, because you know what Jesus said? He said, if you've done it to least of these, you've done it to me. And so if we say, hey, well, I don't have special needs kids. You know, there's a very, very real sense where we're going, Jesus, eh, sorry. <laughs> I don't have your kids. I don't, that, that's not me. But God has called us to make more and better followers of Christ of all different walks of life. And so that's a need. 
And there's, guess what? There's two colleges right there. And we're going to be right in between them. Guess what the most unreached group of people in America are today? 18 to 25-year-olds. And some of you are going to have some. And some of you have had some. And some of you have some now. And we are, we are, matter of fact, going to be recruiting a team. Uh, I'll, I, you know, I'll give you more details later. Come to Vision Night, okay? But I'm excited about what God is leading us to do. So I want you to commit to say, Lord, when the opportunity arises, I'm going to be ready to serve. And thirdly, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider being generous by your giving systematically and intentionally, not just emotionally. Sometimes we just kind of give out of emotion. Okay, I feel bad. I saw that or see this. And I just, but systematically and intentionally. In other words, pray about it, devote it to prayer, and say, God, I, I want you to show me how I can give and how I can make a difference as we move into these king moments. And I'm going to strategically do that. And then we'll have a day on the, um, November 10th where we'll bring those together. Matter of fact, there's cards in front of you now you can take if you want to start praying about it. But that's what I am calling you to consider. I'm calling you and challenging you for the sake of God's kingdom. Would you pray about these kingdom moments? Father, thank you for this time. And I thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Lord, I pray that as you shake us individually, as you shake us as a church, that your spirit would overflow, that men and women and boys and girls would come to faith, that their lives would be transformed, that their marriages would be transformed, and that their families would be transformed, that you might be glorified. I thank you in advance for what you are working to accomplish. And God, we thank you today for allowing us the opportunity to be a part of this kingdom moment. In your name I pray, dear Jesus. Amen.